Welcome to The Art of Growth and our panel season on Enneagram stances and attachment styles. This is the Type 2 panel. Before we get started, if you'd like to process the Enneagram and your growth journey with others on the path, consider joining the Art of Growth community. This is the best place to meet up with other Art of Growth listeners as we support each other in our becoming. You can join today at www.theartofgrowth.org. Theartofgrowth.org is also the place to take a free Enneagram test, a free Enneagram Instincts variant test, or to reach out to us for individual coaching or organizational coaching and consulting. There you can reach out to Joel Hubbard or me, Jim Zartman. In this podcast series, we build on the work we've done in other panel seasons on Enneagram type and instincts. All right, here we go. Welcome, everyone, to the Type 2 Stances and Attachment Styles podcast. I am absolutely excited to have each of you here. We are going to be diving in and asking you some questions about your stances and attachment styles. Uh, But before we do, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us where you're from? I am Heather, and I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm Stephanie, and I live in Connecticut. I'm Madeline, and I live in Texas. My name's Dave, and I live in California. Oh, all over the country. This is great. <laughs> coast to coast. Right. Yeah, coast to coast. This is awesome. So let's, uh, yeah, let's begin by looking at the stances and the stances and attachment styles. Both are addressing the need that all of us have for connection, for intimacy. And so the stances and attachment styles describes how we do that. So in what ways do we get our needs met as it relates to those who are closest to us? Uh, And so we'll begin with the stances. And of course, uh, as a reminder, we have those three type of stances. We've got the at or against, we've got the toward, and we have the away. So let's begin by you sharing which one do you start with and does the context matter? I'm a social too. Most of the time I have a toward stance, but I also realize that as a social too, I'm always scanning the room and I'm seeing what's going on. If I come up with in like a work situation or like a boardroom type of situation with someone, a very at stance, I will just withdraw. I just get very quiet. So that, as I think about it, really can depend on the circumstance and the quality of the relationship that is there. So that's really interesting because I am the sexual subtype and I was just thinking about how for me, it kind of depends on the context. Like I look at connection and comfortability. So if I feel like I'll connect more with a person by matching their stance, then I will kind of shift into that stance um, and mirror it. But then also I feel like I'm subconsciously thinking, okay, how comfortable am I with this person? I prefer to be more aggressive. If they will accept that, then I would rather sort of like shift and see aggressive stance. But if not, then I can just stay. So it's like I'm weighing rejection. And then are we also going to connect more? So it's interesting. Yeah, I suspected as much with the sexual instinct. It seems to have that consistency of being something that can call up a little bit more of that againstness. So that's yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
And we were discussing with uh, one of the panels last night about how even toward will take on a different look mm. based on, you know, your, your type. So, cause it sounds like you, you use words like I'm going to match them, but it's still like looking for that connection and comfortability. So it still sounds like it's toward, but in order to move toward, I'm going to, I might adapt myself is what it sounded like to me. Is that resonate with you, Madden? Yes, that's correct. Except preparing for this podcast, I definitely realized I struggle with a way and withdrawn. And so I can't always pull that one out of my pocket, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Uh, What has to happen for you to get there? I would say pausing and forcing myself hardcore to do it. It's, It's very difficult for me to do the away stance. So that's part of my growth path as a, a sexual too. That makes a lot of sense. And and that is fairly consistent. What's your second in the uh, stacking of your instincts? Let's talk about that for Social a would be my yeah. second. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so that's very consistent when we have those two paired up together. It really puts us into that, very much into that toward, mm-hmm. or if you're in the assertive, the against stance, you would be against and toward. <laughs> so, but yeah, we were having this conversation and we were talking with type eights, who have the second as toward and their social eights who have that, a lot of that. And, but we were saying like, even if there's a mixture between the two, most people around you would experience you very much still with that, like againstness inside yes. you. Whereas a two, even when you're matching somebody say in, in the against stance, it would still probably have more of that toward feel to it uh, with a bit more intensity for sure. Would you yeah. say that, that would be true as well? Like people wouldn't mistaken you as an eight. They wouldn't go, oh, is she an eight? Yeah, most of the time. But I would say that there are people that are closer to me that they do get more of that aggressive stance and that against because I feel like they'll accept it. So more of that comes out. But I would say with the general public, it's definitely in a very toward dutiful flavor. Yeah. And I don't mean to put words in your mouth and please don't let me lead you in a direction. I thank you for saying that because that, that helps also to, you know, color in a little bit more the fullness yeah. too. So yeah, appreciate that. Can I just add something? Cause I was kind of picking up on what you were saying early Madeline. I actually call it vibing with people. And I think as a social too, I often kind of see how is their stance. And so I will try to match it as well in a way to make them comfortable. But sometimes then I'm left with, where am I? Do you know what I mean? So, you know, if someone's backing off, I will back off, you know, and if someone's up here, I'll come up here. And so it sometimes makes me think, well, what is the true way that I am towards people? And, and again, I think I do go towards, but I'm always testing the water and I seem to be very sensitive to that. And I wonder if that's always good. I don't know. Yeah. I want to, touch a little bit explore on that but i want to hear from you dave and, and stuff i'm a social too and i definitely have a towards i've been calling it with i'm not sure why but it just feels like i just want to be with people and i want to be on the same side as you and so i've been using the term with but i, I like dutiful also i think uh, joel you had mentioned dutiful a, a little bit ago but you guys are talking about matching the stance i think it's so interesting because i can match the stance but if it's an aggressive stance I get like hands sweaty. I can taste the adrenaline and I start to shake if I'm matching that. And it makes me really going to attachment style makes me really anxious. And so this whole anxiety wave comes over me. And then something that I meant to be nice comes out 
such a jerk, you know, and it was like, oh, all that adrenaline and that rush of like anxiety and aggression. It's hard mm. for me to control sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Stephanie. I'm a self-pres too. I lead with self-pres and then I, my social is my second. I'll say I, I aim to be toward. It's been interesting thinking about this because if I feel threatened or if I feel like my boundaries are being crossed, it will definitely become an at or an against. And I can get aggressive. I can get very firm, loud. I'm also Italian, so that doesn't help. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's not pretty. And I don't love it. Um, I will say that also when I've reached pure exhaustion and, and that and the at and against isn't getting me what I need, then I go into a way. And I just end up feeling like all I want is to be alone. I just want to be alone. I want to get away. I want to not have to be beholden to anybody's expectations or whatever. And I just, I just tend to like, that's what I need, you know, in order to come back to that toward or the with, if you will, I think is when, when I have that away, when I actually take the away time to reset and neutralize, but when I'm kind of in my like just normal vibing, Heather, like you're saying, just vibing and, and getting along and feeling good and having a good day, I, I feel like it's mostly it's mostly toward or I guess I don't know if we're using that word with, but mm. yeah. It's interesting to hear that for a few of you at least, I'm curious if if I'm hearing all of you correctly, that the away stance is actually your your third, not for any of you, it's not your second, which is interesting because I've talked to other type twos who say it is their second, like it goes from toward and then they move away. But then they're quick to say that in the away, if they admit the truth about themselves, it's sort of like a please come find me and please come toward me. So they were not even sure if it really was away in that sense. It's like, what is, is that part of the, the two, you know, rather than a stance, you can't answer their question because they're not here. But do you find that the away then for you is really Different. How would you define then the uh, kind of what happens when you move to the away? So I'll admit I'm fully preparing for a bit of away time, and I have admitted to my circle that I I need to be away. I need some time. I feel like most people who's away is their in you know their initial knee jerk. Like my five partner, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to go away, <laughs> and I'll come back when I'm ready. Me, I'm like I'm taking time. I'm going away. Give me space, maybe check in on me and <laughs> make sure I'm okay. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, it's, I think it is maybe a little bit different in that sense, at least for me, what I, mm. what I've noticed in other people who away is a little more natural. <laughs> I was thinking that, and this sounds so juvenile, but I'm, we're all trying to grow, right? It's easier for me to be away when it's my idea and it's my choice, but it's when it's being asked of me and it feels like that rejection that mm. it's difficult. And that's probably some control there as well. But if it's my choice or I'm expecting this away time or it's like this scheduled solitude, if I can really frame it as this is a healthy thing for me and I'm choosing this for myself, then it helps me be in that away time. But definitely like I was reading about the attachment styles, I do feel like if I do have to go to away time, I'm still thinking about relationships. And it is that I'm so ready for this, this to be done. Like, 
Um, if you want to check in on me, great. Like I'm still very present in my relationships and my away time. And so that can be healthy and that can be unhealthy. It, it almost is a break from that face-to-face relationship so that I can process what's going on and think about the relationship and think about what, what my next steps are, or what I'm going to do next. I kind of have seen a way or withdrawn as a tool in my life because I recharge my batteries by being away sometimes and being with people other times. And so being able to just be away or withdraw has been very helpful and, and good for me. But at the same time, if I come across aggressive, I have this, I just need to get away. And, and I go into that kind of avoidance type of a way. And, and that's not real healthy and that's not a good place to be, but yeah. So I've seen the away for me, both working in a positive aspect and a negative aspect. So for me in general, the away is my third way of relating in connection. And it's generally done after I'm, I'm trying to come towards someone and I can't connect then I'll go to aggressive, like, no, I want you to be with me or I want to have a relationship, whatever, that didn't work. So the away becomes like a hurt. I'm mm. going to take my ball and go home. So those two strategies didn't work. So now I'm going to withdraw my love and affection and see how you feel now, in a sense. And, you know, it sounds terrible to say, but I recognize that once with my daughter when she came home from college, all the things have been done and nothing works. So that's where I go. Now, however, what I'm trying to do is use it in a way that gives the other person space. And so I live with four withdrawers. I have three nines and a five and I'm a social two. So there you go. And so understanding where they're coming from, sometimes my withdrawing is a way to just give them the space to, again, that safety so that they can then connect. And so now I'm using it as like more of a an effective tool versus I'm going to take my ball and go home because nothing else worked. So I'm trying to use the away energy that way. Mm. You're describing very well what uh, we're going to get to, which is talking about the with stance that Jim and I have coined that phrase, which is precisely what you're talking about there. But before we dive into that, I do want to ask a little bit more about since we're talking a bit about attachment styles. So once again, what's your attachment style? I appreciate some of you have already said, one of you already said, like, I start, I think it was you, Dave, I start. Sometimes I'll even go to that, like, avoidant, right? So, but what is your predominant attachment style? So I had taken the test and I was surprised that I was mostly normal. Secure attached? Yeah, yeah, secure. So 45% secure. And I thought, oh my gosh, I just feel so anxious all the time. But it's because I overthink everything and every relationship I'm overthinking and, and it brings anxiety at times. But anxious was like 30%, avoidance was like 20%. So uh, I was very surprised. I was like, oh, okay, I can be all right with that. Well, all you twos are always surprised at, at how like normal or healthy you actually are. It's like, really? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the rest of us like you, but it's hard for you to like you uh, sometimes, right? Um, That's true. So like, look, that is that is wonderful. And, and you know, secure attachment is the direction we want to go in. And just as a little explanation, there's so a secure attachment, according to the theory, is that you know how to ask for what you need without demanding it. And um, you also have the capacity to receive when it does come to you, but you're also able to give also in return, but that's easy for you type twos. So that's the idea there. And it's not, and everybody thinks that secure attachment means you have no problems relationally. 
Like everything is perfect and it's not. It's a process by which you're moving through the difficulties and the challenges. And so congratulations to you. I mean, that's, that's wonderful. But again, it's helpful to us understand, like, what do you revert to <laughs> if you're really in a place of stress is you might revert to that anxious. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. No. I tested as secure as well and had the same exact response. So I feel seen, <laughs> but uh, next, I think secure was like 40% or something. And then I had disorganized next and anxious, ambivalent third. And those were pretty tied. And I felt like that made sense because I would say I start as secure and friends and family, I think I operate in that. But maybe part of me being the sexual subtype, very focused on those intimate relationships, I do shift more into the disorganized and the anxious and romantic relationships, but not right off the bat. When I sort of looked at my past, I think I look at people as safe and unsafe. If I am trust you and you're safe, I operate securely. But once I feel like that person is unsafe or they're maybe acting in a non-secure attachment style, I shift into it. And it's not something that I feel like I have a lot of control over, but I definitely have noticed that pattern in my life. And so I think it's, do I trust them? And if I don't trust them, then it kind of just puts me off balance into the, the disorganized and the ambivalent. I also related a bunch to the, you said the, like, come find me, but also pushing away that it talked about for the disorganized and yeah. ambivalent. I definitely experienced that with my caregivers. And I mean, even recently, someone pointed that out to me. And so that's something that I'm working with. But I think it's because as the sexual subtype, I want intimacy so bad. I want that connection. And so it's almost like sticking my hand out. Like I want the connection, but I'm like scared I'm going to get hurt, but I just keep doing it. And so that's how it shows up for me. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you being this vulnerable about that because the disorganized one is the one that most of us don't want to be in. I, when I read it, I was like, oh, I've been there and yeah. I, I've been there like many times. <laughs> and so there is that lack of strategy. So that for that category, it's like the lack of strategy about how you go about getting your needs met yeah. in, in connection with people. And so, yeah, I appreciate you, you, you sharing that. So I did score very high and secure. And for that, I give credit to my parents. You know, again, I know that this is upbringing. So I had a very good childhood. So I, I'm thankful for that. And when I look at them all, being able to ask for, receive, and give both independence and intimacy, really good at receiving and giving, like not a problem, but asking is still an incredible growth edge for me. The way I generally ask actually is an at way, like you're not doing this. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it, it's, I've kept it inside mm -hmm. and it bubbles up because like, am I worth, you know, asking for something, you know, you're worse off than I am. So let me take care of you. And so I know that for me, it's really important. And I think it has affected those also who I'm really close with, it's not fair to them either. I need to be able to say, this is what I need. And I, I know that they want that. It's just, it's, it's still very difficult for me. And that's something I'm working on. So mm -hmm. 
So what's your default or what happens when you're not in the secure place for you? What is the, the attack? So I think the next then was um, anxious ambivalent, then withdrawing. And actually, I would have thought that the withdrawing and the anxious ambivalent might have been switched a little bit because I'd be like, I, you know, I want to go away. But yeah, but I can get very aggressive if I feel like no one knows what I need. So I'm like, but I didn't tell anybody, you know, so it's like, <laughs> yeah. so I can I see the conundrum. Do you know what I mean? And so for me, it's being able to my big thing is. I scan everybody else. How are they? And what, what are they feeling? But turning that antenna towards me, what am I feeling was, Mm. has been difficult and it's something I'm still working on. So then first just recognizing it, but then saying, I have the ability to say it in a way that is winsome and will bring somebody towards me and not using as a missile, like you're not doing this for me. Yeah. And so I, you know, that's hard. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It is much easier to be when you're asking for something to send it as a missile than it oh, is totally to it, right because, oh, yeah. man, how vulnerable we are when we say, here's my need. Yeah. Uh, and that's the key right there is vulnerability, you know, yeah. and so like what's so hard about that? And these are people that I love and trust. And so, you know, I think about that sometimes it's like, why is it so hard? And, you know, for me, again, I guess this, you know, source of pride is a two. I'm OK. You're not. I don't have needs. But again, that's a crock of baloney. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you were raised well by good parents. I was. Parents, right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is the thing that we keep saying is that we're not just products of our environment. You know, we have these sort of hard wirings that are yeah. part of our type. And so yeah. there you have it. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, thank you for uh, for sharing that, Stephanie. I will tell you, I do know anxious has always been my leading style. And that that became very aware to me a few years ago when I started. Well, I actually started looking into attachment styles before I learned about the Enneagram. But I can easily say that it is very hard for me in new relationships, romantic relationships, mostly to trust people and trust the person just based on not only my history with my family, but also my history and relationships and patterns with people that the slightest thing, even sometimes, you know, with somebody who is trustworthy, it's like, it's almost unbelievable that I could trust someone And so I have in the past felt, this is hard to admit, like I need to go digging, right? Something's got to be wrong. I'm looking, got to go looking for something because something's happening. They're lying about something. Something's about to burst somewhere. So, and Heather, I think you were kind of saying something about this too. If I'm doing my best to kind of keep things calm and and secure, but I'm not being met. The next in the next thing is to get anxious and to come and try to grasp and hold and control it. And here, let me let me just help you help us <laughs> make figure this out and make this work. And um, <laughs> I laugh about it, but it is it's very true and very real right now for me. So it's harder for me to get into that secure place which is what I know I'm working on the most right now is, is trying to give people the space without it meaning that there's danger. Excellent. This is practice. So again, you know, we're not arriving at a stage of security by simply arriving there. It's like, okay, I got to practice these things that are difficult and that are very unsatisfying to us sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part, right? So 
uh, the unsatisfying part. I would love to circle back to that in, in a little bit here after we hear from David. Yeah. So I was thinking about it. I think I feel most secure when it's within my rhythms of, of life and I'm fairly organized. So when, when things are where they should be, when relationships are where they should be, uh, I feel most secure. And the, the closer I feel in a relationship, the more I feel secure as well. But that anxiety comes on and really just kind of throws me off my rhythm when there's things that are undone, uh, when things are unsaid. Like the other day, my wife was going off to work and she was clearly mad at me for something. And I was like, what's going on? She's like, I have to go to work. And I was like, oh man, that's about the worst thing you could do at this time. I was anxious all day long. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you know, she works, you know, for the city and it's not like I can call her and hash it out and figure out what did I do? Like I had no idea. And so when things are left unsaid or unspoken, I just have this disjointed feeling and, and it's with all my relationships all at the same time, you know? So that's the hard part. We did see a lot of this uh, anxious come up for, for a lot of you. What does that feel like? What are you experiencing in that moment? Like, what are you getting, what are you anxious about? I think that's the thing is if someone is uh, on the outside of this, they're not a two, they can't understand this. So yeah. I'm looking from the outside in, like, what do you, what are you worried about? They don't love me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to lose this person. I am not lovable. Those are the thoughts. I'm not good enough. Um, yeah. It feels like the world is falling apart <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> and physically for me anyway, it's like all of the nerve endings on the front side of my body, like up my shins and my kneecaps and my upper like chest and my arms. And I can just feel it all like on fire hmm. and the brain starts spinning out of control. Hmm. Well, if I would have said this, or maybe I said that, or maybe I should have done this, or I messed this up all that. Hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about earlier how much this feeling, like how much I feel it in my body, which I know we aren't always very grounded in our bodies as twos, but when it comes to when I'm in this anxious space, it's like, well, are they not accepting me? And if they're not accepting me, are they leaving me? Mm. It all kind of feels melded together in those moments, but it really is like, it takes over my mind and my body where I can hardly focus on anything else. And so, mm. and I've noticed, I think that's where sometimes I shift into that eight space because my body feels so unsafe and I'm so freaked out. It's like, okay, I've got to fix this because I have a life to live and a job to do. And so, yeah, it's very, it's very felt in the body though. It's like, it's paralyzing and it's, it's not a fun feeling. And it does feel very similar to being in the away stance. Yeah. It, it's sort of that same feeling to me. Yeah. I work very hard to not let a rift become a rupture. Mm. Right. So if there's any, you know, rift happening, I don't want it to rupture no matter the relationship. And so it's been interesting that it's part of my growth in like the last couple of years has been with one relationship that would have been very close, realizing that a rupture had to occur because that was healthy. 
Mm. And everything in my being was like, no, 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 this goes against my grain, you know? And so part of it was like, sometimes there will be a disconnection forever with somebody and maybe that's okay. But for me, it was always like, I have to always be in connection always healthy communication, always healthy things, or else it feels very unsafe. I get the feeling for me, it's like a pit in my stomach until it's resolved. And so I think that actually I took some things on the chin that I shouldn't have in order to maintain that relationship. And now I'm growing into saying like, you know what, sometimes I need to stand my ground. And that's where I would use my healthy eight energy to say, no, that's not okay. And I'm not going to placate you or mm. apologize needlessly for something. And if you can't handle it, oh, well. And that is like really scary for me to say, and is very difficult, but I'm growing into that. So. Wow. Thank you. That's wow. Yeah. I'm learning. I'm feeling it. It's good. Wow. Cause there was like an energy shift as you all were talking about that. There was a lot of atten- intensity for all of you mm-hmm. as you described this experience for you. It was the other stuff you were able to kind of, I don't know, be more ob- objective or stand at a dif- distance and witness yourself. But when we started talking about this, like you were, all of you were like all the way in, like you were visualizing these experiences. So these are very visceral for, for all of you is what it sounds like. Yeah. Even the language you used, there was very descriptive language about what this what this feels like it's suffering mm. like and, and it sounds like a very over dramatic word but it was funny I remember once too it was so cute I was driving with my husband somewhere and it was about a little something different but like one of our kids wasn't doing well and I, I was saying but Kevin does it hurt you and he's like of course it hurts me I'm like but no does it hurt you and he's like, yeah. And I was like, no, it doesn't. You know what I mean? I think sometimes for me as a two, and maybe you guys, like it, we just feel it so deeply. And I think he had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's something about the, and I'm noticing the sort of dichotomy that exists between your external referencing. I mean, you're looking outward at other people and trying to read people. But at the same time, when you're in that space of anxiety, the tension is all inward. It's all on like, mm. I must be the reason for why this thing is, is falling apart. I must be the reason why there's a problem in our relationship. And it completely like you lose any sense of the other person having their own feelings or experience around that that's separated from you. And that makes a lot of sense, given that the twos have that capacity of going into the sort of unboundaried heart world, you know, because heart space is unboundaried, right? You can feel what other people are feeling. You're in their world. They're in your world. And it's a, it has a tremendously beautiful and very impactful strength to it. But when you're in that anxious space, it's like you, you lose all objectivity in that space. And it becomes about, you know, like you're bad and there's clearly something wrong with you. I will say I do feel like I have being handed and like hit over the head right now with this, this exact lesson Hmm. of learning to get out of that because I'm, (laughs) I've been met by three different people over the last couple of weeks unfairly and instinctually with the one I'm closest to, it was, it's always been stuck. I get stuck in that heart space that we're just talking about of it's my fault. What did I do? What can I do? How can I fix this? Another one, it was, you know, the second person, which happens to be my dad, it's this 
I know I don't deserve that, but I still want to fix this. I still feel like it's my fault, but I don't deserve that. And the third one, which was actually just, it's very fresh. It was last night. It's my best friend's husband and coming really, really hard at me about some, about being human and just being tired and not being able to show up for them in the way that they need me to. And me saying, like, I'm raising my flag, guys. I'm flat out right now in life and I need to take care of me. And I can't, I cannot show up for you the way that you need me to right now. I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. I love you. It has nothing to do with my love for you. Not okay by him at all. Like absolutely not acceptable. Uh-huh. But as he was screaming at me, I was able to sit there and hear it and listen and be like, wow, he is hurting so hard. And this is nothing to do with me. I did not do this. Wow. wow. My, my human actions did not actually are not actually needing to be forgiven. I can see that for once. Wow. It's wild. It was so I'm still like buzzing from being able to feel so clear on that. Yeah. Um, it's you guys know me, you know, that that's not, no. it's like new for me. That's going, a new space. Wow. That's <laughs> it really happened. No, I'm just kidding. I am. I'm really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, that's so um, good. It's hard, right? It's hard stuff. It's tough. It is hard. Well, that's, I'm celebrating that in you. So that's growth. And those mm-hmm. things happen. And again, you, you wish you could like snap your fingers and transform and that kind of level of transformation happens, but it just seems to happen on its own. It's like all of a sudden one day something shifts internally, but you know, I don't think you can just wait for it. I think again, you've been doing some of the work, you've been doing a lot of the work, you know, and then the practices. So that's um, yielding some fruit. Let's talk about uh, the with stance and how, how we grow. So we're calling it the with stance as the fourth option that we have. We have, again, the, the against, the toward, and the away. And all three stances, um, we, you know, every one of us has one that's a favorite. It's the one we go to. It's the strategy we use. Most of the time, it's unconscious. We're just going through it and we're doing it. And it's a way to get our needs met, but it's not at the conscious level. So sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And then there's the second one that we go to usually fairly quickly and leaving the third one out or until everything else stops working. And then we go to that. The sort of growth that we have through the stances is the capacity to actually see ourselves in the stance. So you start to see yourself in the toward, oh, I'm doing this. It's that dutiful kind of thing. It's like, I'm doing this in order to get this in return. And that's huge. That's a massive step towards growth. And then there's the ability to notice which ones are there to protect you. So which stances are you using to protect you? So in some cases, the away stance for you twos, the against stance, really important because sometimes you have to go, okay, that's enough. I'm backing out. And that's wise, right? That's the protective nature of it. Sometimes it's used to push people away, but not in that aware stance, not in or not in the aware uh, place. And it's more of just reactionary. Uh, what we're talking about here is the ability to see what's happening as much as you can and then to choose. Is this the right stance for this situation? And in doing so, then it helps us to move both towards that width is what we're calling it and towards the secure attachment. We're learning to recognize how both are working towards that goal. Um, And so in some cases, you're gonna say, hmm, I need to pull back. In some cases, you're gonna say, 
Well, this is one in which I do need to have some boundaries. I need to say no. <laughs> That's the against uh, stance. So I'd like to hear from you how I mean, you've already started talking about this. In what ways are you growing, Stephanie? I'm building on the heels of that. That's just an incredible moment of being able to step back. And I wonder, you know, did that feel more like withness in the sense of like, hmm, yeah, I can be with you in your suffering. Boy, that's really hard. At the same time, like, it's not mine, right? Mm-hmm. That's like a, a real clarity around that. That that brings out the best of the against stance, which is boundaried. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this isn't mine. This is yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, distance, the proper distance, right? Which kind of has that away stance kind of thing and recognizing like, yeah, I might need to pull back and I might need to pull away and be with myself a little bit. And so that's the idea there that I think is really, and toward as well. I mean, you, that's natural for you too. But like, yeah, I can I can lean toward when it's necessary and I can also pull back. So talk to me about your growth. What are you learning? How are you growing? And um, anything that, any stories that come to mind around that? Well, for me, I think I already mentioned, but growing in the withdrawn stance in the away, trying to be more intentional with that. And the word that I have been getting is yield, which it sounds interesting because people uh, often think of twos as, well, twos are yielding, but there's a lot of areas and maybe it's me being the sexual subtype as well. But I am stubborn. I struggle with yielding. I struggle with going away. And we talked about the word unsatisfying earlier. Mm. And when you said that, it made me think of that's sort of what I was thinking about is yielding is hard in the moments where I'm seeking out that juice. And I have a very clear picture in my mind of what is going to get me that. And if something conflicts with that, it's difficult for me to yield. And sometimes um, this feels like this isn't just for me. It's that concept of, but I'm also thinking that this is what is best for the other person as well. But I have been seeing that there is so much connection, which is what I'm ultimately seeking from yielding. And a really cool time when that happened was my mom and I were both leaving somewhere in separate cars. And she made a comment about if I waited five minutes for her, we could, I could follow her. But it was literally just a straight road and then a turn. And internally, I'm thinking, like, what's the point of that? But I felt sort of bad about just leaving. And so I waited. And then when she finished her thing and she saw me in the car and that I had waited, her face like lit up and it meant so much to her. And I looked down and there was literally a rock that said yield. And Mm. I was like, wow, it didn't make sense to me. And I could have just been doing like that straight forced energy. Like you have that aggressive, you have that toward all of that energy is a forward moving energy, which is great. But I've noticed that I miss moments because I don't stop that energy or I end up not loving people well, which is what I'm wanting. But it was such a beautiful moment of connection And so that's what I have been trying to lean into is taking time to pause so that I can be with and choose my energy versus just moving forward blindly. Um, Because ultimately I want that intimacy and that happens when you yield and you pause. Mm. Well, that's a beautiful uh, story, beautiful description of the with stance. Um, I love that. If I were to put under there like bullet points of different words, yieldedness would definitely be. Uh, be there. So thank you for sharing that. And 
you know, I think of, I think of what Rich, my favorite spiritual teacher, Richard Rohr says, that's the difference between willfulness and willingness. And I love that contrast. It's like, yeah, the, the willfulness is natural. The willingness is, that's the hard work and very unsatisfying as you're describing it in the moment. But right. look what happens on the other side, right? Then it's like the strange effect of like, geez, I feel good. Like I feel so much better. And yeah. Almost like two dual, but like congruent tracks over the last few years. And I give such credit to the Enneagram for, you know, shaping me, having me understand myself, but actually almost more importantly, understanding those whom I love. So as I said, you know, I, I live with four withdrawers. And so, you know, as it's social too, I, you know, I want to connect. And so that led to a lot of hurt. And so I think that I tried so much in my towards or at energy that it could make them go this way. And I think Joel, when we had done this group uh, coaching, you talked about when you understand something, you don't have to necessarily do any action as you observe, like Madeline talked about, it will naturally just fall away, you know, between a stimulus and response, there's a pause and you can make a choice. And for someone who is a very active too, the ability to just observe myself and observe them has made all the other things going towards them too much fall away. And I don't know, just that that insight has has Mm. been really powerful. So I don't have to go at so much or towards. But then it's interesting as I was thinking about this, almost for me then the deeper work for me was the sense of not enough. The love Mm. that my family has for me and that we have for another is not enough. That like unsatisfying. Mm. And again, the Enneagram helped me with that. Like, yeah, that's that like yawning chasm that can never be filled. And so I was at this place once and I learned about the concept of wabi-sabi, which is this like beauty and imperfection. And Mm. so can I be satisfied with this imperfect love of who my family is and how we love each other? And I really like sat with that for a while. I'm like, you know what? It's enough. And Mm. it's been traveling from here, you know, down more to my heart. Mm. I'm also a woman of faith. And so for me getting um, God in there and understanding that like only God can like really satisfy all that and everything else comes out of that has been really key. And so I think the lack of the expectation that I need my family to be a certain way, or I need them to express their love in a way that I want that has been deeply satisfying. And so my sweet little um, self-pres five, I'm a social two and I have a self-pres five son. So we're like this, <laughs> learning to take his intellectual curiosity and things that he wants to share with me on that level as enough and as deeply connecting. And before I was like, but no, I want to go deep. And so that's been like such a gift to myself. And I think, and I believe that my family feels that shift in energy. And so we're like, We can enjoy who we are and what we are. And I don't have to envy somebody else's family. You know what I mean? So that's been, that's been a real gift of the Enneagram, I think. Wow. I want to high five you, Madeline. I want to high five you. And I I want to high high five you, Stephanie and Dave. (laughs) You guys, this is just so good. Thank you. So one of the areas I'm learning to grow is in dealing with at or against kind of energy and people that come towards me like that. So I've recognized that if I equal that energy and bring the at right back at them, it doesn't end well. 
because I, like I said before, I just can't control that energy to the point where I can have a normal conversation with somebody. Uh, and it, it's just, it goes into like blows, you know, almost. So I've been contemplating like, what can I share? What should I share? Cause I know that people will hear this and I don't want to upset anybody. So, <laughs> so I have one Enneagram eight in my life that we've been working closely together on a, a project and I like working with my hands. I like, I like in particular, like working with wood uh, right now, we're working on a trailer together, a mobile food trailer that'll go into the neighborhoods and we'll deliver meals. And, and so one of the things I love most is I disconnect and can just focus on the project and get it done. But as a result, I pour my heart and my soul into that project and I do good work. I mean, it's hard to admit, but I do, I do good work. And, you know, after we use the trailer and then I, somebody comes at me with a new list of things that need to be changed or fixed or done. I'm learning to just step back and take a breath and listen instead of responding. And that's been really hard because the adrenaline spikes and the like, you're coming at me, I'm going to come right back at you, you know? And it's like, okay, this isn't the schoolyard. You know, it's, it's, I'm not defending myself. I don't need to defend myself. We're working together on a project and and so listening and waiting and, and hearing her out has been so beneficial. So like most of the time somebody comes at me, my response is no, you're not going to get that. You can try, you can ask all you want. The answer is going to be no, just because of their energy, which is not fair. Mm -hmm. And this person in particular has great ideas. And I'm finding that when I listen to her completely, those ideas are, are, are perfect. They're better than what I had in mind. Like it's far better. And so being able to listen and wait and not respond and like hold that adrenaline back, which has been so hard, I'm finding that the project has gone way better than if I had done it myself. Hmm. <laughs> which is interesting because as a social too, that is also part of your strength is to bring people together. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, getting a punch list, you know, now I look forward to it every couple Mondays. You know, it's like, what's the new list? What am I going to fix or make better now? Um, what are your ideas? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's come to a point where I'm looking forward to it and looking forward to the interaction. Whereas before, you know, I'd either get aggressive or I'd withdraw and, and shut down. Like, I, I can't deal with this energy. So I'm just going to, I'm going to take off. See ya, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think to uh, deepen what you're saying a little bit is that what that has to do with it sounds to me like is for you, the sense of agency is lost when you have an assertive or aggressive type that's coming in and you're not being seen in that space. And so that causes this reaction, right? And so having a bit more agency over your space, it's helpful because then you can look at, you know, at what she's offering and not as like a... Yeah loss yeah. of you again in the space and you're not appreciated and you're not being seen for all right. you have done before. Yeah. And we've been talking about how, you know, we have this stack and you all have had this similar stack, which is interesting that yes, you'll go toward first and that needs are getting met. It can bring up anxiety, but that act can come second. And so I'm wondering if you've noticed this because what you described reminded me of this when working with other people in relationships, couples is that, if when you come in contact with an at and against person, you want to be, meet them in toward, but if they're at at, you already feel like you're escalating to your next step. 
I certainly do. Yeah. And that escalation, it's weird. It's like a rocket ship. I, once mm. it gets going, I can't, I, I really, I can't control it. Mm. I am the same, David. I, something I heard you say without using the word curiosity was you started getting curious, right. About your colleague, the eight and the thing that I've been kind of aching for in my romantic relationship was for us to be more curious about each other. And rather than immediately going to this kind of space of, of at um, and against in the moments of not understanding each other, getting curious versus going at each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the same, same for me, the minute we start going at each other, it's like a competition <laughs> and who can, who's going to get louder and who's going to get like more firm and who's going to dig their heels in harder and who, you know, and obviously not, not healthy. Um, and it's a space that's being worked on and has been called out as like, this, this isn't good. This can't be good for, this is not sustainable. And this is not going to be something that makes us win. But <laughs> because we've like ripped that bandaid off of saying that it's like it, the dust settled and the curiosity has just started. Mm. And it's weird because like I said, it's just like, I'm getting hit over the head with it all in in a week with two other people as well, where my natural instinct would be like recoil and just try to apologize and try to people please and, and, or try to defend myself. I'm seeing, at least I saw last night in, in this other call where the other person was just coming straight at me hard. And I was able to just kind of stay like do like you said, the width in the sense of like, I can see where you're at and I'm, I'm actually not going to meet you there. I'm actually able to just kind of hang here and see your pain and try to try to understand you, Mm. like try to understand, like, what are your actual expectations here? I let you down, but I'm not clear on what you need from me. And Mm -hmm. you're not clear either. You can't even say it. You don't even know. Look at that. That's power, right? That's that's agency, yeah. right there. When you just go, yeah, 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 and just I don't know. It gives me hope, I guess. <laughs> You're also yeah. able to separate out yourself from the other person because, again, the two can lose themselves, right? An indistinguishability between you and the yes. other person, and so it's all mixed in there. So, how do you make sense of that? And it's like it's my fault. It's your fault. It's my fault because I'm not good enough. It's your fault because you're not meeting my needs. It gets so tangled. Right. And you were able to, which is why you were having hard work, hard time putting words to this thing. It's because it's all brand new. It's like you can pull back and go, oh, oh, wait, there's a lot that I don't have to manage because that's you. <laughs> like, like That's actually on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, that's your stuff. And not only do I not have to manage it, but now I have somewhat compassion, but a healthy kind of, it's a boundary compassion. Like, I'm over right. here, you're over there. I can have compassion understanding. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually used a word picture in my head is because I loved when you guys had done the podcast on the energies and the with, I just started thinking about it. Like, so as a two, I often come towards or I pull or push, you know, trying to help them per se. And as I was thinking about it, I visualize myself with whoever it is uh, walking side by side. So we have mm-hmm. our own space. And David, you had talked about being inhabiting your own space And so, you know, we're free to go along our own path. And so for me, I can help if asked or if needed, but from my space and not impinging on theirs and we're walking together and we both have wisdom and we both have knowledge, their own agency is also really important. I don't have to always help them. 
Like they have their own wisdom. And so for me, like walking this parallel path, instead of always intersecting Mm. to me is with energy. If I'm asked and if it's appropriate, I can do it. But that was always my default to like go in. And now I'm just like, let's, let's parallel walk to, to, with one another and respect one another that way. You know. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. That is exactly what we were we wanted to clarify because with did pop up because yeah. earlier I was like, I want to be with people. But when we're using we're talking about with energy, that's what you just described. Yeah, it is parallel. It, it doesn't have the over ownership. It doesn't have the under boundaried yeah. or the over boundaried. It yep. doesn't have the the demand. It isn't trying to create that agenda mm-hmm. to be with is really going. What does this actually need right now? Where am I taking too much Mm. relational responsibility Mm -hmm. and where do I actually need that withdrawal? Like it's so hard as a two. Oh, I know. (laughs) But Madeline said, you know, when, when she said, Madeline said earlier, like, this is something I have to learn. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, yes. And all of us, like, regardless of every uh, person, there's one that we have to go, okay, well, it's hard for me to not do that. Like, it's hard for me to not be at, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's instantaneous. I'm not trying to be, it's just like, that's my nature. And it doesn't mean that there's anything, you know, wrong in that oh. moment, but it's just, that's, you know, just the natural default setting. And so understanding, okay, this is where, this is where I naturally am, but how do I actually elevate above all of the instantaneous reactions. Mm-hmm. And so Heather, the way you described that, I thought was just beautiful because that's exactly what we're talking about when we talk about like, how do we bring in more of this with energy where we know this, this right here is the way to respond in this moment. Mm. And none of us are, none of us are natural at with whatever, whatever stance we are. <laughs> right. It's right. Like, it is not natural at all. It doesn't feel right. It feels wrong. You know, it's like the vulnerability for, me as well. I'm in the against stance. So like moving. And I found that this last, I've just had an epiphany in the last two weeks, probably because we're doing this, um, where I just saw it all over me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am doing this to Patty all the time. Like there's always that resistance. No wonder she feels that. No wonder she has this like you know, PTSD mm-hmm. from my <laughs> from my constant like, you know, <laughs> resistance to her ideas. So I think the width for different types means a movement. It's mm-hmm. a movement of in some sense away from your starting point but it's towards you at your best like so i love that description heather like that intersectionality that you described is like the the natural which feels like with to twos to that like parallel which is like jim was saying boundaried it recognizes i'm over here you're over here but we're not at a distance either we're together and uh, i think for all of us it's like this would be a good thing to chart the, the kind of even draw that out for ourselves what does with look like for me if I'm, my starting point is here, what characteristics, what habits do I need to develop in order to move more towards that with stance? So good. This has been amazing. And I just can't thank each of you enough for like your openness, your vulnerability, your wisdom and the gift of you. So I think that's been a tremendous present gift to the world. Those of us who are doing this work, I mean, we can't we can't do this alone. And so your voices and your stories are helpful to so many people out there. So thank you so very much to each of you. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can follow us on social media or sign up for our newsletter at theartofgrowth.org. You can also go there to sign up for the community or to reach out to us for coaching. But hey, since you're here, 
why not stick around for another episode? Grace and growth, my friends.